0: Welcome, everybody, to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host Joanna Fleming, and I am your co-host Hannah First. I just wanted to say that if I have to run to the bathroom mid-recording, it's because I am. You know, we talk a lot about not drinking enough water.
2: Yeah. So my sorry, bladder, I thought I was going in a different direction. Oh. <laughs> What do you mean? Yeah, like you had diarrhea or something.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Um It's number ones. <laughs> number ones. Yeah. Okay. So so I am not used to drinking this much water. And then how much all water of a are su- you drinking? Well, all of a sudden the other day, I had like full dehydration and I was in bed for like Ooh. most of the day. Okay and I realised that because I'm only used to probably drinking one or two bottles a day that, like, I'm working out so much at the moment at at, at this and also working out in the heat. Yeah. So all of a sudden I start looking up my symptoms like nausea, um really really tired and like just I couldn't like walk like get got was getting dizzy just walking Ah. so I I looked up the symptoms and I was like I think I'm dehydrated and then I ended up sitting in bed just drinking bottle and then another bottle and I reckon I got up 20 times to pee until my water was like, I just couldn't stop going to the bathroom. It's like my bladder just can't handle much water.
2: I'm like that too. If I start to increase my water intake, I just, then I'm peeing all night and I
0: usually don't wake up at all during the night. It's actually really hard if anyone has any tips for increasing water intake without like having to like sit next to a toilet all day because like <laughs> I I'm going to another beach today and I so I, I drank all this water in the morning after Muay Thai and then I have to stop I have to just pee it all out and then stop because if I'm walking wow. to another beach I can't you don't get like this when you drink heaps of water.
2: Well, I don't really ever drink heaps of water. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> this is like litres of water. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking drink like
2: now. one bottle of water a day. It's definitely not that's enough. That's what I'm like yeah. usually. I know. Yeah, that's We're what usually I'm... on the same wavelength.
0: <laughs> you can't work out in the heat though and survive. Yeah, and the humidity over there too. That would just oh, be draining. You have no idea. I like walk out in the middle of the day and I'm just instantly sweating buckets. Yeah. So, so hot. Oh. Anyway. I am starting to like get a little bit. I've got, yeah, I'm just starting to um, tire of the heat a little okay, bit. Okay. So,
2: you ready to come back to a Melbourne winter?
0: <laughs> I think I will be by winter. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, I've learned a new skill, uh, which I spoke about with Matthew when we were recording together, and he confused a spray tan machine with a solarium. I do, in fact, have a spray oh, tan no. machine now. And so Hattie and I learnt the other night how to spray tan each other. And Amazing. And this is like the ultimate PWD, KWN, this spray tan machine. Like mm. I cannot believe we didn't think of this when we first moved in together because yes. we –
0: How much was it, by the way? Oh, It was
2: probably like – I think it was like 100 and something. Maybe it was 200. I don't know. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Yeah, so then we bought – so we bought the machine and we bought the spray tan solution and the spray tan tent. We got the tent from Mind Tan. We got the solution from Spray Oz because we both usually get Spray Oz spray tans. Um, yeah. And we got the machine from Vanity. Um, so, yeah, it was relatively affordable and our friends are all asking us to spray tan and we're like, we could just charge them 20 bucks yeah. a tan and pay our rent.
0: You could you could literally start a business. Yeah. Spray
2: tan. Yeah. Yeah, just cash only, obviously. I hope the ATO is not oh. listening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll definitely be there for a second. Yeah. Soon.
2: And we were so like, okay, so we we're really smug. We both looked at each other and we were like, oh, my God, we've done such a good job. And then we looked at the bottom of our feet and we hadn't put anything at the bottom of the tent and underneath our feet was just Spray oh tan gosh. solution that
0: happened to me on my from just before my sister's wedding, oh. and I almost started, cr- yeah, because I, I had those like open shoes, yeah. So I sat there with alpha, uh, alpha H liquid that's balls, what I did, scrubbing it. Yeah. It came
2: off relatively quickly, though, the more I walked on my feet, yeah, so yeah. Uh, that was our only mishap, and lots of people said, "Just put an old towel down." Uh, so we're going to do that. Okay. But yeah, I'm really happy about this I new love skill. That for you. Yeah, might teach it. Yes. Might teach a couple of other people in my life how to spray tan me, so that if Patty's not home, uh, someone else can do it. A boy? Sure, <laughs> don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, what's on today's episode, Hannah?
0: So we're finally getting to the bottom of the pros and cons of sleeping naked with our resident GP, mm. Dr. Lucinda. Then we're chatting to Dr. and Master about dissolving lip filler and then, of course, the products we didn't know we needed it.
2: So, Hannah, you recently discovered um, from being in Thailand um, that you actually quite like to sleep naked. Yeah, I do. Tell I, us about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was really tired one night and I was like, oh, f*** it. I walked into my room, took all my clothes, i got into bed and went to sleep. And then I woke up the next mm. morning naked and I was like, this is new. And um, yeah. no, I think the issue over here is like, as we've discussed, like thrush and the sweatiness mm. in like it, it and I don't sleep with the aircon because I get too cold and also like don't like to have aircon mm. on all night so it was just really like airy and then um like I got thrush and then it was like yeah no, no undies <laughs> trying to air it out and so I'm just a bit used to it now so you're just sleeping with sheet on uh, well it's a doona but I don't just yeah if the doona comes ah. off I've just got no clothes on but no, I'm just used to, I'm just really used to being naked now you're not worried about mosquitoes? No, there's no mosquitoes in the room, but I wouldn't walk around. I've got so many okay. mosquito bites. Like I definitely, if I walked outside maybe I would get one on my vajayjay, v- 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 but... No. Yeah, that's what I'd be worried about that they're in well, my room. someone sent me a message saying because you know that spider was in my bathroom. Like, what if the sp- yeah that, that did worry me a little bit, but that I don't I can't even think about
2: that. I've just gotten
0: full okay, body response right, from thinking about sorry. that. <laughs> don't
2: talk about spiders with me, please. There was a toad
0: next to my bed when I woke up.
2: I had a dream last night that a spider bit me oh, on the foot, and I woke up this morning <sighs> and I remember it was like it went all necrotic. Oh God! And- I don't know why I'm dreaming about this stuff. I should look that up, actually. But anyway, um, to join us to talk about the pros and cons of sleeping naked, we've got Dr. Lucinda back again. Welcome. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks
1: for coming. Home. We
2: know that you love talking about poo and nudity and vaginas, so we've totally, we we'll just bring you on because we need to know. Am I doing what? The what situation should I be is. wearing
0: underwear to bed? Please tell me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Are, are you team naked <laughs> or team clothes when sleeping? Right. So. Um, Uh, it depends majority team naked Mm -hmm. and definitely for underwear it's gotta go like ideally really yeah like it's that's to do with like the air circulation side of things and sort of mm-hmm. like if the vagina needs to breathe at any point in time, at night times, it's best time to go. Yeah. And that's just purely yeah. just to like- <laughs> I would have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you yeah, know, some people do it in the day and I'm like, that is bravery. Um, mm. And um, I've been
0: doing that a bit over here too. I wear like a long dress, yeah. let it air out. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's awesome. You could do Cause... that with a long dress,
2: but probably not in any other
0: I kind mean, of it's clothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, those tie-dye dresses, are perfect just you just um commando underneath yeah
1: that's amazing. I love that that's so good it makes you wonder really about like back in the day like proper cave person style like what things used to be like back then but yeah oh yeah so it just allows sort of air to circulate there to to help sort of reduce the risk of things like thrush and bacterial infections so it's it's a great thing to do and but if like for obvious reasons like periods and whatnot or really heavy sort of vaginal discharge like we can wear sort of um you know cotton underwear because that at least allows the area to breathe a bit better but if you can go without um that would be ideal but generally as well like like the sort of no clothes when falling asleep or when going to sleep. It's just I like I prefer that unless it's sort of winter time where it's really cold. Like when I was in the mm. UK, I was like, there is no chance. Like I'm wearing my yeah. pajamas because like I need some fresh air, so I crack the window open up a bit. But then it's just like it just freezes. I'm me. just
2: a pajama person. I love my pajamas <laughs> and I wear undies with my pajamas as well. <laughs> I just – I don't know that yeah. I could adjust to being in
0: full clothing. I feel you because I used to be like that. Um, I, I yeah. did. But look, you did just touch on temperature. Temper- is temperature a factor as to why someone would choose to sleep with clothes or not with clothes? Like I don't know that I could sleep naked in Melbourne in winter because like – I think I'd be too cold and I'd have to have the peter on all night. Yeah, Mm. for
1: sure. And you're absolutely right. So temperature is a really good topic when it comes to trying to get a good night's sleep. And this is why there's no, um, there's never like an exact do and don't, generally speaking, because everyone's totally different, like, if like Joanna, if you went and you just started wearing no clothes, you may find it really difficult potentially to fall asleep mm. for whatever reason. Um, so the fascinating thing about uh, the science of how we fall asleep is that you probably heard that we've got like our own biological clock or circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So part of that process is that we release a hormone called melatonin, which basically is like a traffic light system within our brain saying green, it's good to go. Let's go and get ready for sleep. Um, And that's if you've got, you know, increasing levels and it reaches a point where it's like, yeah, now's the right time. And there's loads of different factors that impact on our melatonin levels, like for example, daylight. So um, if you're out in bright daylight, it's, you know, prevents you from releasing the the melatonin hormone. And then as it gets darker, that hormonal level then starts to increase because the body's sort of going like, oh, okay, we're getting ready for sleep time. But if you can think about it in the environment outside, when it's getting darker at night, it's also getting cooler outside, mm. okay? And, mm. and with that coolness, that also initiates a response within the brain that helps us release this melatonin. Now, the issue we have in modern society is that we've got air con, we've got heaters, we've got clothing, we've got bedding, we've got all sorts of things that then sort of control the environment where we sleep uh, mm. for its temperature. So we can actually struggle then to um, do what our body needs us to do, which is actually drop our core cool body temperature to help us increase a surge level of melatonin level to help us go to sleep. And that's where mm. sleeping naked can actually help. But there's other things that um, we do that can help sort of reduce our cool body temperature, which um, which we'll probably talk about sleep hygiene in a bit, uh, where we go and have a shower before we go to mm. bed or a bath before we go to bed. And we think it's because we're all nice and cozy. That's when we go to bed. It's because we're cozy and warm. That's what's making us go to sleep. But It's actually because when you've had a shower, what happens is your body temperature, cool body temperature is up you come out of that shower and it's having to drop because of that cool environment. Mm. Um, and what the studies show is that as long as it can drop about sort of about one degree Celsius uh, or two or three Fahrenheit, then that helps to initiate that melatonin response alongside the darkness outside.
2: Mm. Could that explain why it's so much harder to wake up on a winter's morning versus a summer
1: morning? Oh, well, if it's dark outside, absolutely, and it's Yeah, and, it's and cold. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> So it's really interesting. And this is why I always go back to, I wonder what it was like before like the industrial Mm, revolution where we had all of this technology around, like what did we do naturally? And I think Mm. it would have been very different. Yeah, Mm.
2: Yeah, because I feel like you would just go to sleep as soon as it was dark. Um, Are there any like psychological reasons why someone would sleep naked over clothed? Because I think I'd feel insecure without my pyjamas on. I don't. That's why I think I would struggle with it because my pajamas are like a protective thing. When that's I'm how I
0: felt. That's like me and the yeah. me in the crop top. Like I had to wear a crop top. It yes. because I felt my boobs were going to go all over. I don't know. It was like a protective. <laughs> it was like I. It was. It was. <laughs> they do go all over the place. We haven't woken up in a singlet top and there's one oh, oh. one boob out. So <laughs> I would always wear a crop top to bed, and that was some sort of. I, I do. I think there's something psychologically attached a to that. Yeah. Thing.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting point, actually, because there are really good studies showing how if you have any concerns or self body image issues, Mm. sleeping naked can actually help with that. Um, Really? So many people in society Mm. don't like the way in which they look or feel and so having some time to themselves to get used to how their body feels at night sleeping naked is is actually shown to have benefit to ah. your mental state
0: Okay. That's why I feel so good in my body at the moment. I think there's a few other reasons for that as well. <laughs> Talk about that later, Joe. Um, yeah, no, I, I think maybe I started sleeping late because I was feeling very I, – I, I do feel more comfortable over here in my body. Like I just feel like I don't mm. – none of those – the hang-ups are gone, yeah, like maybe that was what sort of precipitated it. And then you just get used to Mm. waking up naked and walking around naked and yeah. That's
1: awesome. And also like if you're in a relationship as well, um, they say that the skin to skin contact that you have with a person actually makes you feel closer (laughs) and more secure to one another. um that, so, makes, that makes sense yeah so that's also something oh, that definitely makes sense <laughs> <laughs> post-quotal
0: cuddling is that what it is yeah, yeah yeah
1: totally like there's definitely something um like about sort of the, i don't know if it's hormones that we release or something that that just makes you feel close to that person with skin-to-skin mm. contact um, it's like babies when they yeah. when they're in the EQ
0: and they do skin-to-skin contact
1: yeah, the natural smells.
0: It's so so true. So, what about vaginal health? Does inadequate air circulation increase the risk of yeast infection? This is probably direct. We've had, <laughs> we've had our fair share of yeast infections, Joe, in the last few weeks.
2: Between us, yeah. <laughs> Between oh,
0: us. Wow.
1: well yeah you're absolutely right and um the whole thing is is that the vaginal circulation area there needs to breathe um in order for the the natural microbiome or the healthy uh balance of bacteria in that area Uh, and fungus they it is better if they're not sweaty and and hot and clammy and things Mm. like that otherwise the unhealthy uh sort of microorganisms um grow more and that's when you're more likely to get thrush or bacterial vaginosis and things like that so like, if you are going to wear anything, it's best to wear like cotton undies because that helps your skin breathe better. But yeah, otherwise try and do with that if you can. Be quite mm. liberating, give it a go for the first time, take them off, see what but happens. But when you've got the thrush, <laughs>
0: You've got to have the cream on. <laughs> I think for the first few days of having thrush, I agree if you're using the cream. But I've swapped to yeah, coconut oil, true. as I told you. But we'll yeah. talk about that on
1: another episode. Would you approve <laughs> that, Dr. Lucinda, swapping to coconut oil? Coconut oil? That's interesting. Yeah, it's a
0: natural antifungal. Okay. So,
1: she looks concerned. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know what? The thing is, right, oh. is that it's natural. So that's number one. So that's sort of less concerning. Number two, you've tried it and you've sort of found that it helps you. As long as you're not inserting it into the no. vagina itself, no. Then that th- no, I'd no, say no. that's fine. And that's where I say everyone is totally different. There is no one. Mm. At, well, there's some absolute no's, um, but that's where there's <laughs> sort of room for for sort of trialling different things as long as they're not harmful and and you've had a benefit uh, from using it. So let's delve further into thrush in a future. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. it needs its own. Yeah, we've got a lot to
2: discuss about that. Um, so before we wrap up, Doctor Lucy, do you have any steps that we
1: can take for keeping on top of our hygiene when sleeping? Yeah, so having a shower before you go to sleep is a really, really good idea. It's for the thermoregulation, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, the melatonin release. You know, having sort of, uh, you know, regularly sort of cleaning your bedding as appropriate. Mm. Um, lots of people have some dust issues, so weekly, if possible, to change mm-hmm, your bedding yeah. and things like that. Um, especially if you're sleeping naked, you know it's best to go to to sleep clean um, as well. Just to I think sleep. that's
2: why I don't want to sleep naked because I I don't like the thought of like dead skin cells. genitals and stuff. Yeah, being on my oh, genitals. Sheets. Okay, I <laughs> just wash them everywhere. <laughs> clean
0: genitals. <laughs> yeah, after the shower. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Can you do it once and report back in the next intro? All
2: right. Okay. I'll do it this week and then I'll report Thanks. back. Yeah. yeah.
0: Shower, clothes off, in bed. See how you go.
1: Yeah, regular sheet change. Yeah. So they're your top tips. And actually what was really interesting was um, you know how you sort of cleanse your face before you go to bed. Um, Mm. So another reason why that helps you go to sleep is also for thermal regulation purposes as well. So the parts Mm. of your body that help you release the most amount of body heat from your core temperature are your face, your hands and your feet. And so mm. by having water on your hands, putting that on your face, um, just that, that sort of if it's cold or warm doesn't matter, the actual um, sort of um, evaporation of the water from your face helps cool you down. And then having the water on your hands again helps cool you down. So those are all really good things to do. So definitely mm. cleanse and wash oh, your faces yes. <laughs> before you go to bed as well, it's very good.
0: Well, we've learned a lot, haven't we, Hannah? I I, I do want to get into this coconut oil business a bit more, but anyway, we'll do that. Okay, all
2: right. We'll touch on that in a future episode. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. Lucinda.
1: (laughs) Take care, guys.
2: So today we're talking about dissolving dermal fillers, and we have a special guest joining us, Dr. Mobin Master. He is an aesthetic physician and specialist radiologist from Vic Dermal Group and Lake Imaging and Research Centre. Welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Hannah, you had some dissolving done relatively recently with Dr. Master. Tell us about that experience.
0: yeah no i had um under eye filler done god it was so long ago and um i went to dr mobin and you did like an ultrasound and there was still some of the filler i think on the right side so i had that um dissolved
2: was it painful because i've heard that it's no a
3: bit
0: painful. it wasn't okay i think um, Mobin, you have like a special cream that like completely numbs out everything, so I didn't feel anything. Oh,
3: good! Oh, must have been extra kind to
0: you. Hadn't <laughs> it? Yeah,
3: you obviously it did. Well, sometimes it, I, it, I don't use
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely didn't hurt, but um, that I, I got some special cream that you said you compound yourself. Hmm, that's
2: right. Yeah. <laughs> so, for those who don't know a lot about injectables, Mobin, can you tell us what is filler and what are the types of filler that can and can't be dissolved?
3: Okay. So there's a dermal filler is just basically something that augments or increases the size or the location of say your fat in a certain area in your face or just under the skin in the lips, for example, to augment them or, you know, accentuate a shape or fix up symmetry. So That's what it's generally used for. The most common filler that's used is hyaluronic acid, which is a variation of what's already there in your skin. So hyaluronic acid, you probably talked about this many, many times on the skin creams and all the treatments and stuff. There's a lot of HA creams out there that say, we're going to rejuvenate your skin with hyaluronic acid. This is one of the products. So it's a very uh, similar product because it originates... Uh, from your natural you know, skin and subcutaneous tissue areas for a building block, but it's slightly different so that it lasts a bit longer. So that's the most commonly used one that everyone would be familiar with. And there are permanent fillers. So these are a different type of filler. So there's ones that have calcium in it, calcium hydroxyapatite, for example. They give you a lot more definition, but they last for a very long time and they're very difficult to get rid of. You can't just reverse them. There's also other products, one called, for example, polyacrylamide. Again, another permanent product. I can't say the product name because it's a TGA requirement. We can't mention product Mm. names. But that product is also something that you can't pretty much get rid of. It has to be cut out surgically if there's a problem. That also has to be done very sterile. If you don't do it sterile, it sort of can be a bit of a time bomb and eventually... It causes a low-grade infection or some sort of weird inflammation, and the only way to get rid of it is to actually remove it surgically. There is also silicon. So some people also use certain silicon products. That is, again, another permanent product, and that is next to impossible to remove without surgery. Mm -hmm. And the final thing that can be used is your own fat, which is not a permanent product, but that is using your own fat to create the same things that filler do, and that is augment or increase the shape or increase the size of the lips or the cheeks, etc. And that's not done commonly in Australia, but it can be done. Under the eyes, they use a bit of fat as well, because when you actually get rid of the bags under the eyes, you have to transplant a bit of your own fat to replace that cavity of the bags that you removed that's created mm-hmm. those those sort of hollows because you've removed the bags and it can end up looking hollow. So that gives you a pretty big summary. It's a lot to absorb mm-hmm. and hopefully people will rewind and have a listen. But that's, that's <laughs> a summary of the kind of things that can be used. Um, but not all of them, of course. There's still a lot more variations.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, on to sort of dissolving fillers. So dissolving fillers has started to have a ripple effect, possibly because of influencers highlighting the phrase migration or filler migration. What does that mean?
3: So I am not a big fan of migration. I might have had a big conference that had quite a few views with uh, Dr Chan on a YouTube channel. Initially we thought that, and a lot of people talked about migration, and there's a lot of guesswork in this industry. You know, I've, I've been been in the industry for about six or seven years and I've been in radiology and imaging for, you know, over over 15 years and we didn't have a lot of answers back in the day, you know in the filler industry so when the filler is reversible and there's a dissolver called hyaluronidase, so you can get rid of it and it depends on the product, the depth and the location on how easy it is to get rid of the issue is that people think that it has gone somewhere else and traveled like a sausage around the face. And I'm not a believer in that now that I've done an additional study on my own face. So we'll talk Mm. about that in a second, (laughs) but you know, when it goes above the lip, I believe that migration is at the time of injection, right? Mm. So when you overfill a top lip, everyone, a lot of people are familiar with lips and when they get that dark appearance and it starts Mm. overfilling, especially a thin lip, when you keep filling and filling and filling and filling, there's nowhere for it to go anymore. It can't Mm. go in the top lip anymore. So what does it go? It's going to go up. Mm. But it goes up at the time. And people forget what they look like. And then they go, oh, I've got to look at some old photos. Oh, my God, it's all above my lip. So what happens is they get a top up, top up, top up. Then it goes above the lip and they think it's just swelling and then it never goes down. Mm. Because what's happened is it's got nowhere to go. There's no space. So it's just going to go above the lip. And that's what I feel, and this is a typical description of migration, I think that is what migration should be described as, that it's moved at the time.
2: Yeah. And what are the reasons that you would dissolve filler?
3: So it depends on where it is. I'll tell you about the most common area, which is the tear trough. So Mm -hmm. what I've found, and I've probably now seen about 100 dedicated face MRIs. So face MRI has never really been a thing. And I've created a protocol and it's been published in Plastic Surgery of America, a protocol that can be done in half an hour. Uh, in Australia, it's relatively cheap. So, you know, some places charge anywhere between 390 to 450 bucks, And they haven't had filler for three years, five years, some of them even six years or more. And then they say, oh, look, there's these bubbles under my eyes, mm. you know, and it's kind of transparent looking. And it's kind of weird. Mm. So you can, you know, Hannah can testify to that. It's like a transparent, bubbly thing. And you're like, it never looked like this before. Why have I got these bubbles? And I had titraf filler years ago. It should be gone. And the thing is, they go around the doctor sort of merry go round and they all say, Mm. no, it can't be filler. And that's why, you know, I'm trying to raise awareness. Not all fillers last ages and ages, but it can.
2: So you've got to believe
3: the poor patient. These poor patients have been told they're completely mad and go and see a psychiatrist or something. But Mm. the reality is it's been published, and I've seen it numerous times now. And I would do a superficial dissolve. So basically on the MRI, I'd find it. Sometimes if you see that transparent stuff, and if they've had filler, I just have a go at it and just do it and get rid of it. And I only use a small amount of dissolver superficially, and it gets rid of the appearance, almost straight away. I don't know what your experience was. Honey.
0: I didn't even know it was still in there, to be honest.
3: <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> you okay. did.
0: You did the ultrasound and you were like, oh, I was getting it filled and then you were like, oh, we need to dissolve
3: this first.
0: And I was like, oh, my God, it's been so long. Why is it still there? How's that
3: possible? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. right. Hmm. So, so a lot of people do find that, you know, almost straight away, they get a result. And you can see on my Instagram there's a lot of examples of orbital filler where I've just done a small dose under their eyes and you can see these... They look like light globes, (laughs) bulbs under their Mm. eyes and they're gone. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've seen a few people have their lips dissolved and within like 24 hours they've completely shrunk down. But it's funny that you say that about filler lasting longer than maybe people initially thought when they first, I guess, started getting used so widely. Um, and I haven't had filler in my lips for probably three years now and I've still got some volume there that I didn't have before I started having my lips done 10 years ago. It's
3: because, it's you know, there's so many people getting these treatments done and the under eye filler people are now sort of raising raising their heads after four or five years going, oh, wait a minute, I've got a bit of, you know. And not everyone have these problems but, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I do it every day. Uh, I think, yeah. you know, I would dissolve... 30% of my work is is dissolving now. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and a lot of it's refilling and dissolving and some of them they yeah. say, look, you know, I've had my lips done somewhere else, I've had a look at it and they've said, look, what should I do next? And I just say, look, start again because yeah. it's better to start on a clean slate than to try to build on top of something that's not quite right and mm-hmm. it's half dissolved and it's three or four years old. Mm-hmm. And it's product as well. You know, certain products last longer than others. Mm.
0: Can you tell us a bit about the technique of dissolving? And I guess I think people would probably want to know if it hurts and how much it hurts, <laughs> particularly the lips. I would say that would hurt.
3: Yeah. Look, um, you can put a bit of numbing cream, numbing cream on top. When I use a dissolver, it's got water and mm. it's sterile water, of course, and local anaesthetic in it. So you've got this numbing, numbing anaesthetic in the product. As you go, it'll numb all right the lips can swell up quite a lot after uh, dissolving but probably not as much as filler and there is a little bit of a cross reactivity with people who have bee stings they can't have it so i won't use filler i won't do lips cheeks or anything on a patient that's got bee sting allergy Mm -hmm. because it means they may not be able to get the reverser yeah Mm -hmm. hyalase yeah so you've got to be very careful with that um Mm -hmm. generally speaking most people tolerate it okay there's like maybe less than 10% just say, oh my God, that was just so painful. Mm. But it's less than 10%.
2: And you use a really unique technique of, you know, utilizing ultrasound and bringing in that radiology aspect of it. Mm. Do you know anyone else that does that? Are you like the only one that does that?
3: Um, Not the exact technique that I do in terms of finding it under MRI first and then ultrasound, Mm -hmm. you know, see if I can actually localize it under ultrasound. But when it's older, Mm. you can't see it under ultrasound. So what I do is, I get the MRI, I interpret it, and then I translate the MRI onto the face and draw a picture mm-hmm. on their face. And I know the depth and I know the exact location, so I'm using a roadmap.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's okay. exactly
3: what I published in Plastic Surgery, that I'm using it as a roadmap. No, no there's, I don't think there's anyone else in the world actually using it. I did train mm-hmm. um, someone in Sydney, but he's not doing a lot of it. I think mm-hmm. it's just a numbers game, I guess. So they're coming to me from all over.
2: Yeah. So are there any negative side effects to dissolving filler? I saw a, a doctor in the US, I think it was Dr. Bentali, and mm. he was saying that, you know, having the dissolver can then impact the natural HA that's already in the skin. So let's talk about those kinds of side effects.
3: So at the moment, there's absolutely zero scientific evidence that it dissolves your own tissue. The mm. only thing that I've ever seen is one person has used dissolver on an animal study on one animal and showed that it did the natural hyaluronic acid was dissolved, but within 24 hours it regenerated. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right? Mm. So it's kind of like saying if you use laser or you did a chemical peel, does that dissolve your skin? Mm. No, it doesn't dissolve your skin. It regenerates. So you do have a turnover. Your turnover might slow down when you're a bit older, but it will turn over. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like... It's not like acid. It's not like something that completely annihilates and destroys. You will degenerate. And I think it's important that everyone out there needs to know that there's no actual scientific basis for all these rumours.
2: And what about the um, instance of allergy? You mentioned that you won't do filler on someone with a bee sting allergy, but I think there is there a heightened allergy risk with hyaluronidase?
3: I don't think there's a heightened allergy, but it's just a risk of allergy and I think the cross-reactivity with bee stings. Um, in terms of compared to other medications i don't think it's necessarily much more and i use i, I use it like water so mm-hmm. <laughs> i use it every time <laughs> constantly using it
0: and i think that the probably the question that people that are thinking about getting filler dissolved would want to know this is probably their most asked question how long after having filler dissolved can you then have it re-injected
3: i always wait two weeks a full two Mm -hmm. weeks. So you're going to have some downtime. If your lips are going to be deflated, make sure you don't have the event or, you know, the (sighs) Melbourne cup on nearby. Just make sure. (laughs) Or
2: your 30th, Hannah. (laughs) Make
3: sure it's all clear (laughs) before all of that. So the reason why is because when you actually put dissolver in, sometimes, yes, it instantaneously looks good, but the first 24 hours is where it really peaks. 24 to 48 hours and it's really starting to dissolve. A lot of it's instantaneous, but it keeps working for about a week, but then you want the swelling to go down to reassess.
2: Mm, Yeah. Because Mm, you you put mm -hmm. a
3: bit of fluid in someone's face and you want it to actually dissolve and then everything to resolve through your lymphatics, your natural lymphatics, Mm. and have a nice clean slate and go, all right, what are we doing next? Do we need to Mm -hmm. do more or can we refill? Mm. So just bear in mind, have a two-week downtime. You're not going to have necessarily a massive disaster either. Sometimes you just have to be prepared. Yes, your tear troughs might come back. That's the Mm -hmm. warning that I always give, especially with tear troughs. You know, your tear troughs may come back and it might be a shock to the system, but Mm -hmm. you don't wake up with big bubbles under your eyes though. So Mm -hmm. it's a catch-22. Maybe you need to look at the old photos and go, well, actually my troughs are back but it still looks better than the massive bubbles. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And in terms of uh, people looking for someone who can dissolve filler if that's something they're looking to do, how would you recommend going about finding the right person?
3: I think if you go about asking a few questions of the injector, do you routinely dissolve or what do you think about dissolving? What do you mm-hmm. think? Could this be filler if they say, yeah, well, I think it, yeah, it could be filler or well, let's look at your old photos. Clinical imaging is really important. Like what did you look mm-hmm. like before you had the filler? Oh, wait a minute. You're looking more puffy.
2: Mm-hmm. Well,
3: that's not a good result. If you're looking more puffy, let's try to get rid of it. And mm-hmm. I think, most injectors, if they're not dissolving as a routine on a lot of their patients and maintaining filler, then they're not experienced in this new paradigm because Mm -hmm. this whole situation of it lasting longer than we thought and manifesting itself as it starts degrading is something that everyone should be getting onto, and a lot of the doctors Mm -hmm. and nurses alike should be onto it. So, Mm -hmm. So I think that's important, just to quiz whether... They do do dissolving as a routine. Um, some people are too scared, especially around the mm-hmm. tear troughs. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm happy to see patients. You know, if they're too scared, a lot of the patients that I see also say that my injector's too scared to do it.
2: Okay. So they yeah. send
3: them, so they send, send them to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, if you want to go and see Dr. Mobin Master, you can find him at Vic Dermal Group or Lake Imaging and Research Centre. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can also find him on Instagram at DrMaster underscore MD if you want to go and have a stalk of some of his
0: work. Thanks for joining us. Do you want to go first? What the hell is <laughs> yours today? <Hi>. Okay. <laughs> So, Are you having
2: a baby. I'm not having a baby. Sorry. I'm actively not. Then what I'm the hell? actively trying not to have a baby. Okay. So, today's product I didn't know I needed is not a product that's stocked at Adore Beauty. It is a chemist's warehouse, though. And I went to five different chemists to find this. It was sold out everywhere. I actually didn't end up getting it from chemist's warehouse. I got it from like a discount pharmacy. It is the Surgy yeah. Pack ovulation thermometer. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> Explain. Okay.
2: So,. Apparently, and I didn't know this until maybe a year ago, that there is a way to monitor your cycle by taking your temperature every day. So you wake up every morning before you move, you take your temperature, you note it down, and that's how you can tell when you're ovulating in your cycle. And so coming off the Wait, pill. Is this,
0: vagi- is this a vagina thermometer? Or- no, 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 in your mouth. I mean, oh, you could put it up there to- if you wanted to. <laughs> so you can put it in your
2: rectum. You can put it in your vagina, yeah, yeah, your arm, yeah, okay. whatever you want. Um, I probably wouldn't. You'd, you'd have to choose an Don't avenue. Don't it, mix no, it no, up. No, no. I Don't just, mix yeah, yeah, and match, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I put mine in my mouth. Um So I take my temperature every morning and then I've got this app. I think it's called Kin... What's it called? Kindara, which one of my best friends recommended to me. And she used it to actually get pregnant. I'm trying not to, but... Are you...
0: you, Is this the opposite? Like you're trying to make sure that you're not having sex when you're really fertile? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: that's the point of... Ah, So you can do this... Because you
0: came off the pill, right?
2: Yeah. So I'm off the pill now. So it's just more understanding my cycle at this point. So I just really want to see where my body's at because I've not had like a regular cycle since I was maybe 16, 17. So Mm. I don't actually know what my body does and I'm really trying to learn more about it and what's going on down there. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's how I'm doing it is with a ovulation thermometer and it's really interesting, like tracking everything you track, like your discharge and all of that stuff. It's actually really, really oh, interesting. Fun. I've got all these books that everyone's given me that I still <laughs> need to read. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to understand my cycle a little bit more and yeah, get in tune with my body and understand what's happening as I come off the pill. But it's only been a few weeks. so How
0: funny. I'm going on the pill and you're going yes, off the Yes. And pill. so I
2: wanted to talk about that in another yeah, episode. Let's do okay. that. Let's talk
0: about it in another episode. I have lost... I've done have my period again. Yeah, because I had had it at like normal, mm. and then now it's nice. Yeah, let's it's nice let's talk gone. about
2: it in a. Okay. Maybe, let's
0: do a bonus episode
2: or something because I feel like we could talk okay. about that for like an hour and get different experts. <laughs> yeah. On. Um, if you'd be keen for that, let us know. Obviously, head to the Facebook group if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my product. I didn't know I needed for today because I never thought I'd be using an ovulation thermometer at this point in my life, but here I am. Uh, here so you are. yeah, I think you can get them at any um any chemist or pharmacy it's just the surgery pack brand and it's pink nice so it's the, the reason that you get that one is because it rounds up to two decimal points and apparently that's more accurate because oh. your temperature only shifts quite slightly so yeah right that's mine. Okay. yours is beauty related though <laughs>
0: Yes, mine is. Well, yours is beauty. Yours kind is of, yeah. Cringy, it's just not an adult product. <laughs> uh, um, so I was on the website having a mm. look at just looking at new arrivals and whatnot. The things that you want to buy with your staff discount when you get back. Well, I haven't. I haven't bought beauty stuff in so long i didn't order i didn't order before i came i like stocked up on sbf and things that i needed to take away with me but um i was on there and i was like oh my god it's the joe loves fig trees candle but it's 2.2 kilos i've not
2: seen this
0: it's not yeah it's just i think it must have just i knew it was arriving because micah who is um category manager for that department for fragrance she had told me that this big candle was coming oh, in of my favorite oh, scent oh my goodness trees. wow that is expensive is, can you it's it's expensive it's $599 oh, can you have a look at the photo though yeah it's it to the normal size oh, that's like that um, sea Trudon insane. one we got insane oh that's can i be honest that sea Trudon one has lasted I'm only halfway through. I burn it quite a lot. Yeah, it's probably almost a year and a half. It's probably like 15, 16 months. Mm. I burn it all the time and it's only halfway through. Yeah. That's that's three kilos, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. So this is 2.2. So this would last you – I mean, yes, it's an investment up front, mm. but this would last <laughs> such a long time. It is $599, but I just reckon if you – like i just think this scent is so so nice i wonder if we worked out the price yeah i'm just candle. thinking so it can burn for approximately
2: 200 hours it says so how would you figure that out in a calculator so
0: do you know what i'm gonna do two <laughs> 200 2. 2 kilos versus the other one joe loves fig trees is how big oh, i'm gonna let hannah do the maths
2: because that's her strength
0: <laughs> far out two what <laughs> i no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't either. Is two two point two kilos is twenty two hundred grams, right? Divided by one hundred eighty five yeah. is eleven times ninety two. Yeah, so it's like half the price. Okay, like it's six hundred dollars versus eleven hundred dollars if you just kept buying oh, those. Okay, 100. yeah, I yeah. guys, I think like yeah. I think uh, someone that's um, good at maths is
2: going to listen to this and go, "You idiots!"
0: <laughs> yeah, you idiots. But um. <laughs> I should be able to do that. It's yeah. just been a really long time since I've done maths. Mm. Um, so I'm legitimately, yes, I know I have a discount, but I'm legitimately going to buy that. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing I'm going to buy with my staff order. Yeah, I'm, that's... Like it is, guys, it smells. This is how I describe that scent. It smells like how ted lasso is to watch oh uh, that's that's it just is like i've a not smelt that fragrance big warm hug and you just feel happy
2: oh maybe i need to go and buy the small one to try it out
0: yeah it's so divine okay. it, that's the best way to describe the scent is like it's just like this like big warm hug uh-huh. That's
2: nice. <laughs> so, Hannah, what are your thoughts around the new influencer rules with the TGA Aww. and the sunscreens and the acne I medications, I, I guess know. you would call them because they're TGA listed. A lot of people sent that to me and they're like, oh, what does this mean? And a lot of creators were freaking out. But because we've had so much TGA training <laughs> in our roles yes. of adult beauty, we were like, oh, I know. it's fine, it she'll be right." But do you agree with the changes that have been implemented?
0: Uh I just I guess I saw it and it was like I can't I really do understand for things that are like kind of medications mm. and things that like, you know, I guess things that you should probably be asking like your doctor about yes. definitely. But for me, like the sunscreen rule feels a bit Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. what I that thought. Just, like, I feel like I feel like a lot of creators that I see on Instagram are trying to encourage people mm-hmm. to wear sunscreen. Sunscreen is like, yeah, and they, and and so I feel like that's a bit of that. I almost to think me that's a shame. However, I buy my sunscreen, so I buy my ultraviolet yeah. sunscreen. So if you buy it, you can talk about it. You can talk about you it. Get paid to talk, You just exactly. can't get paid to talk about it. Yeah,
2: which I think could be detrimental to the to the trajectory we've been on in the last probably five yeah. years where a lot of creators have switched to being very sun-smart and promoting sunscreens yep. and all these brands have come out with, you know, very uh, face-friendly sunscreens which previously didn't exist. Um, they yep. were oily and not pleasant to wear. So, yeah, it is disappointing I think because... I
0: thought the interesting one was protein powder. Like
2: Yeah. Well, there it's only TGA listed or oh, registered? only
0: TGA listed. I believe yeah, so. Case. Yeah.
2: So anything I would,
0: you would assume so. Yeah, yeah. So
2: I do think that obviously supplements, like you should be consulting a medical professional before you start ingesting mm. something or at least understanding if you're lacking in certain um, vitamins and things like that before you start taking them. But yeah, I do think I don't agree with the sunscreen's thing at all because mm. you know, if people are talking about it positively, what harm is that doing? Yet there's still influences out there talking about mouth sprays to make you tan quicker. Like how is that not? Oh but banned? also
0: like um diet diet teas yes. and those sorts of things. Yeah. Like I someone post listed. that like obviously. (laughs) like diet teas are okay, but sunscreen's not. Yeah. I I felt like the sunscreen thing. I was just like, it's encouraging people to like always wear Mm. sunscreen on their face. and Mm -hmm. um, It's very frustrating. If that movement hadn't started, like I wouldn't be wearing sunscreen on my face all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's really only happened in the last few years. Um, So that's disappointing, but I don't know, maybe we'll see a bit of a backflip at some point or who knows? Who knows what it. will happen? It's, yeah, the TGA is pretty strict. So <laughs> yeah. that's why I couldn't speak like in a testimonial sense about that ASAP sunscreen that was my product, you know, I needed a few weeks ago. And people were DMing me like, yeah. what's the tea about this sunscreen that you couldn't say on the podcast? I'm like, oh, it's just TGA listed. Like I can't uh, give you a testimonial yeah, yeah, right. of my opinion, but I can tell you the facts about the product, which you could yep. still technically do under these new rules, um, is to actually speak can the facts well, yeah, because it's not a testimonial. So you just can't talk about your own yeah, experience right. with it like like we can't. So, mm. yeah, it's a interesting world we live in, but hopefully we've spoken enough about sunscreens in general that most of our audience are using sunscreen every single day on their face. Yeah. And maybe influencers will continue to post about it organically and just not get paid for their opinion. Mm. Yeah.
0: We will see. All right. Well...